1 Samuel 24. When I lived in Texas, I had a friend who was sharing with me that he had worked on staff at a certain church, and uh, he was there in the office one day, and this man came by the office and uh, began to chew out his pastor. And uh, he told him, he said, he said my uh, relative was in the hospital, and you didn't see him, and he began to say, you are a lousy pastor, and you are, you know, just began to just really... Uh, give it to him, and my friend Johnny said that he was sitting there, and he's, he was getting madder, and madder, and madder, and he was thinking, why didn't that guy say something, um, he said a little time passed, and he said the pastor had just, had just responded very graciously to him, and said, well, he said, I'm sorry, you know, I, I, I'm sorry I didn't visit uh, your relative, and, and, uh, and was very, very gracious with the man. He said that man ended up becoming his best friend. And he began to be a supporter of him in his church there. And it just blew my friend's mind. He said, he said, I was amazed at what God did with that relationship. I believe that God wants us to reach out to people who sometimes may not like us so that we can build a bridge and have a good relationship with them. Uh, the Bible says that uh, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Now, uh, there are some people that you can't please, right? But he, that's a general statement. It just means the righteous man has a tendency in the way that he responds to other people, in the way that he loves other people, to build bridges rather than burn them. And so uh, even Jesus himself had some enemies that wouldn't be pleased. And if Jesus can't please you, uh, and with his love, no one can. So, uh, but David is going through a very similar circumstance, except this is an ongoing uh, situation where this enemy is actually seeking his life. And so we need as God's people to have a heart of love towards people who are enemies and to respond to them appropriately, but also to respond to them wisely in how we do that. And David did that. He, uh, he responded appropriately, but he also responded wisely. And uh, because of his response, God blessed him uh, by giving him a reprieve and, and showing his character to his men so that later when he would become king, uh, they would, would know what his character was like. But also, God blessed his men because his men had a brief reprieve from having to run from place to place to get away from Saul. And so, uh, David's behavior was a blessing to him, but it was also a way of God's reaching out to Saul. Saul didn't respond to the rebuke that David gave him, but uh, it was an opportunity for Saul to repent and to receive the goodness of God in his life. And so um, we need to respond rightly to our enemies through the power of the Holy Spirit. The time my message is responding to enemies. Uh, look with me at verse 1 of 1 Samuel 24. When Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the wilderness near En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 of Israel's choice men and went to look for David and his men in front of the rocks of the wild goats. When Saul came to the sheep pens along the road, 
a cave was there, and he went in to relieve himself. David and his men were staying in the back of the cave, so they said to him, Look, this is the day the Lord told you about. I will hand your enemy over to you so that you can do to him whatever you desire. Then David got up and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David's conscience bothered him because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, I swear before the Lord, I would never do such a thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed. I will never lift my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. With these words, David persuaded his men, and he did not let them rise up against Saul. Then Saul left the cave and went on his way. After that, David got up, went out of the cave, and called to Saul, My lord the king, when Saul looked behind him, David bowed to the ground in homage. David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of people who say, Look, David intends to harm you. You can see with your own eyes that the Lord handed you over to me today in the cave. Some would advise me to kill you, but I took pity on you and said, I won't lift my hand against the Lord, since he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at the corner of your robe in my hand, for I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. Look and recognize that there is no evil or rebellion in me. I haven't sinned against you, even though you were hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord take vengeance on you for me, but my hand will never be against you. As the old proverb says, wickedness comes from wicked people. My hand will never be against you. Who has the king of Israel come after? Who are you chasing after? A dead dog? A flea? May the Lord be judged in this side between you and me. May he take notice and plead my case and deliver me from you. When David finished saying these things to him, Saul replied, Is that your voice, David, my son? Then Saul wept aloud and said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have done what is good to me, even though I have done what is evil to you. You yourself have told me today what good you did for me. When the Lord handed me over to you, you didn't kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him go unharmed? May the Lord repay you with good for what you've done for me today. Now I know for certain that you will be king, and the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hand. Therefore swear to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. So David swore to Saul. Then Saul went back home, and David and his men went up to the stronghold. Responding to enemies. How do we respond to enemies in our lives? First of all, you need to refuse wrong advice. Refuse wrong advice. They said to him, look, David, this is your opportunity. Verse 4, this is what the Lord told you about. I will hand your enemy over so you can do to him whatever you desire. There's no record of God telling David that. But his men come up with this. They are counseling David to do something that David knows in his heart is not what God wants him to do. Um, I remember one day I was sitting in a restaurant and I heard these ladies at a table nearby talking about somebody who had done one of them wrong. And and these ladies began to counsel their friend. They said, "Uh, you need to get even with her. This is what you need to do. And then another one said, I think you ought to do this. And another one said, I think you ought to do this. And they were counseling her on how to get even. I believe as God's people, God doesn't call us to get even. He calls us to forgive. 
Jesus said, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. And so, um, don't listen to wrong advice. There will always be somebody who will tell you, you need to get even. There will always be somebody who will tell you, you don't deserve to be treated that way. Here's what you need to do. But you need to have the attitude of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who forgave his enemies. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Don't listen to wrong advice. Um, in another case, David had been treated wrong by Nabal. We haven't got to that story yet, but Nabal had refused to pay David for his services of protecting him. And so David had gotten his men, in this case, was going to destroy Nabal and everybody that belonged to him. And he's on his way in a fury, and Abigail comes to meet him and says, David, God's going to make you king. Don't do something that you're going to regret and you're going to have on your conscience after God makes you king. And David listened to good advice in that case. Uh, sometimes somebody might come along and give you good advice. Hey, listen, don't do something rashly. You take some time to pray about it. Sometimes it's good when you're angry maybe to, to withdraw from the situation and gain some perspective before you try to solve the problem. Um, sometimes uh, uh, I'll go for a drive if Sharon and I have a fight. Okay, you said, preacher, have a fight? Yes. Okay. Uh, what I'll do, I'll go, why? Because research tells you when you're angry, you don't make good decisions. And so you need to get aside so that you're, you can cool off so you can talk sense. Amen? <laughs> and then you, you can come back and solve the problem later on. Uh, but, but Abigail delivered David through good advice. So uh, when you have a godly person that, that gives you counsel when you've got an enemy, uh, oftentimes it's a good idea to listen to them. But don't listen to wrong advice. So responding to enemies, how do you do it? Well, first of all, you refuse wrong advice. Secondly, honor your God. Honor your God. In verse 6, he says to his men, I swear before the Lord, that Yahweh, the Lord in all caps is Yahweh or Jehovah, I would never do such a thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed. I will never lift my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. David says, I'm not going to lift my hand against Saul. Why? Because God anointed him king and I want to honor God. You can't go wrong trying to honor God in your decisions and your relationships. When you are responding to your spouse, do so in a way that honors God. When you are responding to your kids or your parents, do so in a way that honors God. When you're responding to your enemies, do so in a way that honors God. Well, how do you do that? Well, number one, you don't want to uh, respond to somebody out of bitterness and hatred. You need to have the right heart. The Bible says speak the truth in love. And so one of the ways that you can respond to somebody in a way that honors God is to do so with a heart of love. 
Um, one of the things that I've done, sometimes if I withdraw in a situation, uh, what I'll do is I'll say, okay, God, will you change my heart toward this person? I'm angry with this person. Will you give me a heart of love for this person? Will you help me to respond to this situation with wisdom? Uh, will you help me not to ruin my testimony? I remember one time I was sitting in a church meeting. This not here, okay, just in case you're wondering. Uh, but I was sitting in a church meeting, and a as the meeting went along, I got angrier and angrier and angrier. Some of you get angry often, but some of you get angry rarely, but when you do get angry, it's, it's a bad thing. That's kind of where I was headed. And I began to pray, and I said, Lord, please do not let me ruin my testimony, because I had heard of, of others uh, who in their ministries had lost their temper and ruined their testimony in their church. And it, it affected their ministry. And so I was praying, God, please don't let me blow it. And God graciously kept my mouth shut during that meeting. And I left and I went home after that meeting. And I vented for about 20 minutes to my wife. And bless her heart, she had to listen. And then... <laughs> uh, asked her to pray for me, and, and by the time it was over with, I was in a better frame of mind. But, but, but we need to have that in the back of our minds, because guess what? When you lose your temper at your workplace, other people are watching. When you lose your temper, uh, and, and other people who are in your church are, are watching, they are paying attention to what you're doing. And, and, and it can dishonor God if you, if you lose your temper in the wrong way. There's such a thing as righteous indignation, but that's probably about 2% of the time. Most of the time, our anger is not righteous indignation. Most of the time, it is tied to the anger uh, in our flesh. Matter of fact, it so often occurs that way that the Bible says the, righteous, uh, the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. Generally speaking, almost in every case, when you are angry, you're not going to do righteousness. So keep the fact that, that you are God's servant in mind and honor your God in how you respond to people. Um, one way you can respond is with a soft answer. The Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath but grievous or uh, hostile words stir up anger. So uh, you can respond with a quiet voice, or you can respond by just being quiet. You remember Jesus when he was standing before the, the trial? Sometimes it's better if you know where you're at and you know you can't say anything in a Christian way. Uh, maybe you know your heart, that you're not where you need to be at that moment. Just keep your mouth shut. You know what the Bible says? Even a fool, when he keeps his mouth shut, is considered wise. Isn't that a cool verse? So keep your mouth shut. That can be a great way to respond. Another way to respond in a way that honors God is to respond with kindness. Have you ever been mad at somebody and they responded to you with kindness? Did it disarm you? Uh, I, it convicts me. I, I've had people do that with me a couple of times and and they, they respond with kindness. And, and it just kind of it kind of disarms you. If you're, if you're able to be disarmed, it disarms you. 
Jesus spoke with kindness. Uh, so honor your God. Look for ways. How can I make the name of Jesus Christ great uh, in this situation? What can I do to bring glory to his name? How can I respond in a way that honors and exalts my God for the great God that he is? If you have that in your heart, you'll, you'll do well in responding to your enemies. So how do you respond to your enemies? Refuse wrong advice, honor your God. Thirdly, confront their sin. Confront their sin. David is speaking to Saul in verse 11. He says, see my father, look at the corner of your robe in my hand, for I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. Look and recognize that there is no evil or rebellion in me. I haven't sinned against you, even though you are hunting me down to take my life. David just confronts him. You, I'm doing good to you, and you're doing evil to me. You are hunting me down to take my life. Now, David is doing this not to get at Saul. If he'd have wanted to get at Saul, he could have killed him in the cave. But he's doing this to try to build a bridge with Saul and restore the relationship. Sometimes when you confront a sin that somebody is committing against you, it can be... Uh, the beginning of restoring the relationship. Because if that person is open uh, and they're willing to listen to you, they may not even realize it. Did you know sometimes we do stuff that is stupid and unkind and insensitive to other people and we don't even realize it. And so when you confront that person and you help them and you appeal to them and you're trying to help them to get, get them to see it from your point of view, it helps them be able to recognize the behavior in their life for what it is. Now, you need to be prepared for them to respond in kind to you. Because oftentimes there, there's fault on both sides, aren't there? So if you confront them, they may confront you back. Well, that's okay. Uh, go with a humble spirit. Go with a heart prepared to make things right as much as, as it is possible in you. And, uh, and God can use that to restore the relationship. Uh, it's a wonderful thing when, when a Christian brother or sister says, I'm sorry. Uh, I heard somewhere, uh, the, one of the greatest things you can learn for your marriage is to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. <laughs> Isn't that a great thing? But it works with, with relationships in the church as well. Uh, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Would you forgive me? And, and then that relationship can begin to be restored. And, and what, a, what a great thing when uh, people in tears embrace. Uh, I remember when I was about uh, 12 years old, uh, we had an evangelist come, and, and it actually true revival broke out in our church that week. And um, there were a couple of couples uh, in the church, uh, two men that were mad at each other and two women that were mad at each other, and God just touched their hearts, and for like 45 minutes to an hour after the service was over, we, we, well, it wasn't really over, we were still doing the invitation. Because people were weeping, they were making up with each other, and, and, and people were at the altar, and God had just come down. Listen, I'm going to tell you something, there is something sweet and wonderful about that, when God's people make up and are, are at right with one another once again. So... Uh, don't be afraid to confront the sin. By the way, Jesus even said, if your brother has sinned to you, go to him and tell him his fault. 
Why? Because it is a bridge to help that person make things right and perhaps make uh, you uh, make things right as well. So confront their sin. Uh, How do you respond to enemies? Refuse wrong advice. Honor your God. Confront their sin. Repay them good. Repay them good. Here's the testimony of David's enemy. The latter part of verse 16. Then Saul wept aloud and said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have done what is good to me, though I have done what is evil to you. Repay them good. Saul says, I have done evil to you, but you have done good to me. Every one of us could say that to the Lord Jesus Christ. I have done evil to you, but you have done good for me. Aren't you glad that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us? Jesus, in his earthly life, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Um, Jesus, the Bible says, sought us out when we were enemies and we were hostile in our minds toward God. And he reconciled us through the blood of his cross. That's the heart of our Savior. David's a picture of Jesus in this case. And we, as we repay good for evil, we become a picture to this world of the love of Jesus. Um, Again, Jesus says, Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And guess what? Jesus did exactly that. Where did he experience the most opposition in his ministry? Jerusalem. You remember what Jesus did as he stood outside the city of Jerusalem? He looked down over the city and he said, Oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you under my wings as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. And he is praying and weeping over the city of Jerusalem, the place where he's ultimately going to die. That's the heart of our Savior, to repay good for evil. And if it were not the case, all of us would be in serious trouble. So we need to do the same. Uh, Saul, who is also known as Paul, went to different places uh, doing his missionary journeys. This is a different Saul, not the Saul in this, in this scripture. But he went to different places in missionary journeys and was persecuted in Lystra, experienced a great persecution, and, and over and over again this happened. And the Bible says he would go back to those cities and minister again to them. I'd be thinking, Lord, you know, I think I need to take a permanent vacation. No. What was he doing? He was showing love. He was repaying good for evil. So make sure that you repay good for evil. Now, how could you do that? How can you repay them good? Well, you can only do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. It goes against human nature. Human nature is to get even. When we have someone do us wrong, we have a choice. We can forgive them or we can hold a grudge. And what we need to do is say, Lord, help me to have a heart of love for this person and to genuinely forgive them and then make a choice. I choose to cancel the debt of sin that they have against me. 
and, uh, and, and I'm not going to bring it up. I'm not going to make it an issue. I'm going to be kind to this person. And you make it a choice. It's not so much how you feel, it's what you choose to do. And then when those feelings start to build back up of anger toward that person, you say, uh-uh, I'm not going there. I have chosen to forgive that person. And then you move on. And you change the subject or you, you go to God in prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to quicken you, whatever you need to do. But, uh, you, but you don't stay there. So um, repay them good. And you do that through the power of, of Christ in us, living through us. We can do this. And uh, one, one of the things you may have to do, if you have somebody who's been a persistent enemy in your life, you may have to ask God to help you at specific junctures along the way. Um, there was one man who could not stand me. I mean, he, could, he hated me. Would not speak to me. Uh, and, and I remember when I would see him, I felt like God wanted me to be courteous to him, even though he wouldn't answer. And so when I would see him, I'd see the scowl on his face, and I, you know, you're in your flesh, you're like, well, I'm not going over there. But I just sense, oh, God say, you need to go speak to him. And so I would go speak to him. Uh, and, and God would give me the grace. I had a boss one time I thought was taking advantage of me, and I had a bad attitude towards him, and I said, Lord, would you please give me, and I would have to do this on a daily basis. He'd come in, and I'd just start to get angry. You ever, y'all ever been there? And I said, Lord, would you give me grace to love this man? And, uh, and God did. And over time, that relationship improved, and I even began to like him. Isn't that an amazing thing, how God sometimes changes your heart through the process? But uh, you do it through his power. So pray for it. Uh, and then trust God to live through you uh, that attitude of forgiveness in your life. So, responding to your enemies, how do you do it? Refuse wrong advice, honor your God, confront their sin, repay them good, and finally, take your precautions. Take your precautions. Look what, what it says in verse 22. David and his men went up to the stronghold. Notice he didn't go back to live in the palace. David didn't fall off the turnip truck yesterday. <laughs> he, he knew what Saul was like. He had seen a pattern in his life. He, he had had the spear thrown at him twice. He had even heard of Jonathan having the spear thrown at him when Jonathan stood up for his friend David. And he says, look, look, I know Saul will say things are okay, but I know that oftentimes they're not. And so he took his men up to the stronghold. Some people will say, well, if you forgive me, you just need to let me do, uh, do, do whatever I want. No, not necessarily. Um, you got somebody that's doing something wrong? Somebody's breaking into your house, chances are you're not going to uh, say, uh, come on over any time, I'm going to give you a key, right? You take your precautions, you recognize, you deal with this person in wisdom. So David was forgiving, but he also dealt with a person in wisdom. And so when somebody is evil, or even if they're not evil in the sense of, of the way sometimes we would think of it, but but you know that they have consistently meant harm for you, take measures. It's okay to take measures 
to be wise and to protect yourself. Uh, Paul was dealing with uh, false accusation and gossip. They must have had some Baptists back then, huh? Uh, but uh, uh, <clears throat> Saul had been falsely accused, Paul, otherwise known as Paul. This is Paul in the New Testament. And Paul says, look, he writes a letter and he says, look, people have been saying these things wrongly against me. I'm encouraging you to repent, but if you don't repent, I'm going to come with witnesses next time. What's he doing? He's taking a precaution to establish what's being said since people are lying about him. I'm going to take witnesses with me and they're going to establish what I'm saying. Um, Jesus didn't tell everybody everything. Jesus says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Why? Because Jesus knew that there were people out there that hated him. And he knew there would be people out there that hate his followers. And Jesus is saying, look, it's okay to take precautions. It's okay to be wise in your interactions with other people. The purpose of forgiveness is, is not to throw wisdom out the door. The purpose of forgiveness is to settle things in your heart so that you can walk with God in the way that you need to, to honor God in your behavior. Sometimes it's not so much about the other person, although if they respond to it, uh, God may use it to bring them to Christ or something like that. But, but it's, mo it's more about you and your walk with God. So it's, it's okay to be wise. I believe it's okay to protect your family. Somebody breaks in your house. I think it's okay to introduce them to Smith & Wesson. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's okay. Uh, but wisdom is the balance to this. And so David says, look, I'm going to take precaution. I'm going to go up to the stronghold with my men. And sure enough, we find out just a short time later, Saul's back at it again. When you forgive somebody, guess what? They may never change in their attitude toward you. That's okay. But as you forgive them, God will bless you. And uh, what God will do is he will sustain you in the middle of the trial. He'll bring you out to the other side. And as you honor God, he'll honor you. Um, I believe that with all my heart. So trust in the Lord. And then recognize too, maybe you have been an enemy to someone. Uh, maybe you have been the, the person who has been out to get somebody else. And as I've spoken about these things, your heart has been convicted. Can I tell you something? Uh, God loves you as, as his enemy. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. The world includes you. All the people on the earth. God loves. And so, if you're an enemy of God, I, I'm... I'm pleased to tell you that every single person who ever begins a relationship with Christ is an enemy with God before they come to Christ. They may not consciously realize that, but because they're opposed in their heart to God's way, they're an enemy of God. And so, uh, but God shows his own love or demonstrates his own love for, for us in this, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God knows you at your worst. He saw you in eternity past. He saw the worst you would ever do, and he still chose to send Jesus. 
He still chose for Jesus to pay the price for you at Calvary's cross. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And the Bible says that Christ died for sin once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body and made alive by the Spirit. Uh, Jesus died and rose for you so that you could have a relationship with God. If you'd like to begin a relationship with God, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that here in just a moment. Uh, we're going to have a time of invitation. I'm going to invite you to come. I'll be standing here at the front, and you can um, pray a prayer of faith in, in God. And, and it's basically two, two parts to it. One is a choice to surrender your life. That does take some trust, doesn't it, to surrender your life to follow someone. Jesus is worthy of that trust. But that is a step that, you're, that you take. Also, it is, it is a, a choice to receive the gift that Jesus purchased at the cross for us. The gift of eternal life. And so you make that choice to receive that in simple trust that God will keep his promise. And if you're ready to do that this morning, it would be my delight and privilege uh, to take you through that and, uh, and help you enter God's family. Uh, if you're here today and you, and you um, have been a child of God, but you're, you're maybe at odds with someone else, maybe you have an enemy, and you need to make a choice uh, to begin to do some of these things and put them into practice, maybe first of all to forgive that person, but also uh, to take a step.